there. We're so glad you tuned in today. We would love to hear how God is using this podcast to encourage you. You can do so by visiting our website at wearefreedomlife.com. Welcome to Freedom. You are not your past. You are not the sum reality of everything you've ever done wrong in your life. Regardless of how bad it's been, regardless of how messed up your past is, you are not defined by your past. God is creating and building a beautiful thing. Our biggest problem is receiving it. Our biggest problem is accepting it. We often see so many things about everybody else's life and we come to some sort of understanding that I will never be that and I could never do that and I could never be that person. What we end up doing is comparing our chapter one to everybody else's chapter 20. It's a common mistake that everyone has made at one point or another and I'm here to tell you that God wants to start a new thing. You ever notice how messy life is? Things are getting complicated and messy and, and things get torn up and messed up and we think, man, where is God right now? I think we've all done that one point or another. We're at a place as a people where God wants us to be aware of where we are at all times. Where are we? It brings us back to the garden. When God, after Adam and Eve had sinned, and God said, Adam, where are you? Do you think for a moment God's GPS was broken? Do you think for a moment that God really didn't know where Adam was? He knew exactly where Adam was. He was asking Adam if Adam knew where Adam was. And I think that's the self-reality that's good. We're living in the world that everyone, everybody wants to self-diagnose, yes? A lot of self-help books, help yourself. I can't help myself when I got myself in this mess. And while there's benefit to self-help, I get that. I'm not discrediting that or medicine or counseling. Those things are very important. But here's what I do realize. There's some things that no man can help you with. And some decisions that no man can make for you. There was a verse that God had brought to my attention as I was preparing for this end of the year message. And it seems to me that it stems from a major prophet that really had a reason for where he was. How many ever ever questioned where you were and why you were there? Yep. Hopefully not this morning. Hopefully we'll talk about another day other than this moment. But you may have asked yourself, why am I here? How did I get to this place? Well, if I could have your attention for just a few moments this morning, I want to kind of bring this because the truth is that 
Isaiah, when he was prophesying and he was speaking, Isaiah brought truth during a very corrupt times. In fact, he was bringing both comfort and warning at the same time. You ever try to comfort someone who's mourning and warn them as well? It's difficult, isn't it? It's a very delicate balance of like, man, I'm so sorry you're going through what you're going through, but man, did you ever ask this for it? Did you ever realize that this decision was costing you? You know what I'm talking about? You ever try to balance that? It's a difficult thing. But that was Isaiah's task as a prophet. He was the last hope for the century, uh, during the 8th century, for God's people. This morning's message is entitled, A New Thing. And that's exactly what Isaiah was trying to bring to the people. Isaiah lived in Jerusalem. He was the son of Amos, and he had easy access to kings. Some say that maybe he had some sort of lineage in him that allowed him to have access, but for some reason, Isaiah had access to kings. Possibly he was well-connected. Some say he might have had some royalty in his blood, in his line, in his lineage. But it was at the point God had called Isaiah to preach and bring the message when 10 of the 12 tribes have just been taken over. 12 tribes of Israel, 10 of them have been taken over. And he had the huge task of trying to get the Judeans to trust God and stop turning to idols because they were in panic mode. If anybody could help me, help me now. You ever been in that panic mode? I got to pay this bill. If anybody could lend me a hundred bucks right now. They were in panic mode. Ten of, the, ten of the 12 tribes have been uh, already taken over and now Assyria was continuing their tyrannical reign and they were looking and eyeballing these last two tribes and Isaiah's like, hold strong. That's Isaiah. So this brings me to Isaiah 43, 19. One verse, here it is. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Interesting, right? Ten of the twelve tribes are taken over and God has given them hope. Why? Because when everything crumbles around you, God is your source of hope. Have you been seeing that theme here this morning? God knows exactly what he's doing by offering you hope today. Even through this chaos. Listen, the people of Israel, <laughs> they had issues. You ever knew somebody that has issues? So much that, <laughs> that answer alone tells me there's issues. Because <laughs> you all know somebody with issues, right? Like, that was a straight sarcastic, no. <laughs> but we all have been in that place, haven't we, where, you know, you look at it and you go, wow, where is God in this? And God says, look, I am doing a new thing. God has forsaken me. No, no. I'm right here. I never left. You've forsaken me, but I've not forsaken you. I'm doing a new thing. This passage was written by a prophet who had seen so much corruption, so much dissent from all the idolatry that happened by the people of God, and they were allowing it. Listen, look at me. They were allowing it in their lives. 
Does that look like America or what? The land of opportunity has been the land on turn on God in every way we can. We get all the blessings, and then once we have all that we want, we shut everything that got us those blessings. That's exactly how Israel was doing it. So even with all that, God declares that he's doing a new thing. That's a special thing. I want you to hold on to that. For some of you that need to uh, hold on to this verse right now, you need to cling to this verse in this end of the year and realize that God is doing a new thing with you. He's doing a new thing. I thought somebody was saying amen somewhere. Okay, come on, talk to me. I will preach longer, I promise you. Agree with me or else. Here's a couple thoughts for you. Number one, if we are going to strive to be the people of God, we have to want something better. We have to want God to do something more than what is happening in our lives right now. Believe you me, God wants more for you than you want for you. Look at me. Everyone look at me. God wants more for you than you want for you. You can take that to the bank and trust me when I tell you, he wants more for you than you want for you. You can't out want God. When you send your only son to die for the entire world that didn't deserve it, none of us deserved it, he wants more for you than you want for you. Do you remember the story of the man by the pool of Bethesda? John 5. Jesus never asked him, do you need to be well? He never asked him that. He didn't ask him that. What did he say? Do you want to be well? It's never a point of whether you need to be made right with God. It's do you want to be right with God? The whole point of the entire gospel is not whether we need it, but do we want it. Our lives alone by themselves prove that we need it. That's not the question. Jesus didn't say, are you messed up? Because it was very evident. He's there, he's lame, he can't walk, he he can't do anything. And Jesus is like, do you want to get well? Do you want it? And I, I pose that same question to you today. Do you want to be well? I don't want 2019 part two this next year. I want to see in 2020. Come on, somebody say, I want to see in 2020. I want to see, oh, so some of you are catching on now. Some of you are catching on. I want to see in 2020. I want to see Everything God has for me. I want to see in 2020. I want everything to be clear to me. Some of the messes brought on by circumstances are beyond your control. That's exactly what happened to this man in John 5. This situation was not his. Jesus even said that at times as he was looking at people that were... were, damaged physically and the disciples were like what happened to this man did he heal on his parents he said this happened so the power of God may be displayed in his life John 9 this happened so the power of God may be displayed some of our messes are messy anybody ever had a messy mess in other words stuff is bad but like it's bad and everybody knows it 
around you. It's one thing to be messy inside your heart and like you can put a, a facade on, right? You can put a mask on and say, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm just making, I'm working it out. It's going to happen. It's going to be all right. That's an internal mess. What I'm talking about a messy mess is when you're messed up and it's starting to really drip out of you. And people are saying, you all right? What's going on? Can I tell you something today? God still loves your messy mess. You have to want something better. Turn with me to Colossians, just for a moment. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your heart on things above. If you are, feel comfortable doing this, highlighting, underlining, this is a command that Paul tells the church of Colossae where he says, listen, set your heart on things above. In other words, the things of this world are temporary and they'll come and go. Yes? But the things above will last forever. He goes on to say where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind now. Now it's your mind. Now is the direction in which you process information. Where's your heart at? Where's your mind at? Both of those things should be upward. Not on earthly things. Verse 3, for you died. What does that mean? For you came to Christ. And now your life is hidden. With Christ in God. In other words, Christ is your ticket. Everybody look at me for a second. You ever went to a concert? And you ever went to the door and said, hey, I got a ticket. I don't have it with me. But you take my word for it? How many know that that, that person at the door is probably going to be like, uh, no tiki, no anti? Right? You don't have a ticket, you can't enter. Right? This place, for ticketed people. Show me your ticket. You show them a ticket, you get in. Jesus is your ticket to enter in, in, in God. He's your ticket. And that is exactly what this book is talking about in this letter to the church of Colossae where it says, when Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him. Why? Because you have a ticket. Because you have access. Because you are with Christ in God. Everybody say this with me. With Christ in God. Say again. With Christ in God. Why am I making you repeat that? Because it is with Christ that you have access in God where you have peace. It is with Christ that you have access. It's in Christ where you have the joy, the peace, the, the things you need to move forward. You must develop a holy dissatisfaction with staying in your mess. And you know what? That's exactly what Jesus was trying to get this man to believe. Do you want to get well? You know why? Because he was making excuses. I try to get up and I try to do this and I try to, he's like, do you want to get well? I just want to know if you want it. I just want to know if you want it. I'm not going to go out and say that Jesus wouldn't heal them if he said no. But I believe that Jesus would have looked at him and said, well, when you're ready, if you really want it, here I am. I'll be just, I'll be over here healing somebody else. Right? You got to want it. And 2020, you got to want to see what God has for you. 
I want you to declare this morning, I'm tired of the mess and I'm not settling anymore. I want more for my life. Amen? Come on, this is an encouraging message. Y'all could not nod at me or something. Don't nod out, just nod at me. Let me know you're here. You hear what I'm saying? Well, I'm tired of this mess and I'm no longer going to accept this mediocre life. Second thing is die to your old patterns. He goes on in verse 5 to say, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Some of you have a hard time getting out from your past because you never, you never disconnected. You never disconnected. Everything that you used to do, you still do. You just now go to church on Sunday. That does not know how that works. I'm not saying you got to cut all your friendships, all your relationships. I'm not saying that. Leave that between you and God. What I'm saying to you is it's very difficult to become a new person when you do everything you used to do before you came to Christ. Die to your old patterns. Die to your old nature and say, God, I, I'm leaving all this down. Show me what I'm supposed to pick back up now. Because that's exactly what happens at the altar. You don't lay down half of the offering. You lay the whole thing down. When you came to Christ, you can't say, Lord, I'll give you my legs so I can go where you want me to go. But right here, I'm going to think what I want to think. Lord, I'll give you my hands, but not my feet because I don't want to go where I need to go. I'll just work on and I'll just, I'll just volunteer on Sundays. But I won't go where you want me to go. I'll just do what you want me to do. Are you, are you hearing what I'm saying? It's time for us as a people to lay the entire offering down. Lay your body before God and say, Lord, everything I have, everything I have, and everything I am going to be is yours. When you get to that point and you die to your old patterns, which is my second point, die to your old patterns, we realize that we have given and we've taken off our old self, like verse 9 says, with its practices. You know what that means? The things that you do, the way that you are, those practices. Oh, there's a church. They're always telling me what to do. No. The church is not always telling you what, well, maybe some do. But what I'm offering is stop and listen to Christ. Listen to his word where he's telling you the old patterns are not producing new results, people. And he says simply this, verse 10, and you have to put on the new self. Do we have that verse 10 up there? Verse 10, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge and the image of his creator. You know what that means? Man, God, I want to think like you think. Our messes are tangled in the webs that we've woven through selfish living. Come on, somebody. Pastor Tony, don't preach too real, please. Just say something really nice. Kumbaya. Happy New Year. It's not going to be a happy new year if it's the unhappy old you. I'm really tired of New Year's resolutions sometimes. I want a new me resolution. I want a new me. And 
And then he goes on in verse 11 to say there's no Gentile or Jew, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free. But Christ is what? All. And what? And is in all. You know, God's not discriminating you today. Every single person in this room. I love the fact that anyone of any color, of any background could come to Christ and he goes, you're in. You trust me? You're in. Doesn't matter where you come from. He's not going, okay, well, what are you willing to give me? What are you willing to do for me? Let's make a deal. No, he made the deal. Christ for you. He gave up his son for you. That was the deal. And we went out. We went out. Like I hope the Eagles do. We went out. Okay, I just lost some of you. Come back. Come back. It's all right. Thank you, Jesus. The old ways are over. Friends, look at me. The old ways come to an end today. And I'm going to say my third point, and I'm telling you right now, I'm going to call for a response here this morning. On this last Sunday, as a church, as a fellowship, we're going to come together and say, Lord, let me see clear in 2020. Here's my third point. Put on your new redeemed self. You ever notice when people do selfies, do you have to have the right angle? Is that right? Let me get my phone real quick. My wife, my wife has taught me that there are certain angles you are not allowed to do when we do together. Right? Come here, Alicia. Come here. Since you're already here. Right? So let's do a selfie, Alicia. So apparently there's a rule. Right? And let's try for... I'll keep going? Okay, so there's a rule. When you want to see yourself a certain way. Right? <laughs> so you know what I'm talking about. So there's a rule of a how, what's the degrees? Do we have that to a science yet? Where the chin goes away. <laughs> the, rule, the rule is where the chin goes away. Oh, look, I had no chin. Smile. This is, I got footage. There's evidence now. Unredeemed self, redeemed self. Unredeemed. <laughs> Should I say unredeemed selfie? Redeemed selfie. No chin, no sin. Come on, somebody. Come on. That was good. That was good. It's not going to get better than that. Let's close right now. I'm not responsible for what comes out of my mouth. Okay. <laughs> the problem sometimes is we realize that we're called to be holy. We understand that we should be loved. But we don't realize 
that God loves you even when you're not holy. Right? The biggest hurdle that we have is to love ourselves when we know how disruptive we are to our own faith. We often set traps for ourselves and then say, see, this is how God sees me. And God's like, no, that's just what you did. That's not how I see you. And we hoard all of our lives, all the things around us. And we bunch all these problems and we try to make all the excuses so that we can continue the way we were. How many ever seen an extreme makeover show of some sort, right? You ever seen an extreme fashion one where they like, they do a makeover of a person, right? They kind of wore this, they wore that, they want to change. And they do an extreme makeover and they're like 30 days later. And then they come in and they're like, they, they have their old picture and then they burst through. They're like, ta-da, they're like, wow, and people cry. And then like all this stuff is happening and you're at home like, that's just cool, man. I can't believe that it was awesome. And you're watching these shows because of the storyline. The ones that get me nervous are the hoarding ones. You ever watch the hoarding show? Are the ones that you're like, how did you even enter your home? How did you get out? How did the cameras get in? Right? Well, I found one that I wanted to share with you for a moment. And someone, they bring in a professional, right? They bring in a professional. And that professional helps them to kind of sort out some of the things. And this is just a couple of minutes of one. But they will show you a couple before and afters. Watch this on the screen for a moment. Oh my god! <laughs> Step on in. Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! Do you remember what it was like? Do you remember the piles? Now, when you enter the house, the living room is crisp, clean, and clutter free. Awesome. It's gorgeous. Because black mold destroyed 75% of Sharon and Marvin's furniture, Broyhill fully furnished the entire home to help them with their new start. Oh my God, there's hardwood floors! Those are beautiful. Those ripped out the old moldy mildew carpet and replaced it with new hardwood floors. Well, let's have a look at your dining room. Right there. I don't want to mess that table up. <laughs> Earlier, Marvin confessed they hadn't used the dining room in over 12 years, but now Sunday night dinners will be a family tradition once again. It's so pretty. Are these are my dishes. Yes. One thing that's really important is that the things you own, you have to honor and respect them. Your beautiful dishes, the beautiful things that you own, displayed with honor and respect. So if you're going to have family dinners, no. you need a place to prepare them. So come on through. Ow. Step in. <laughs> the clutter in the old kitchen concealed crumbling cabinets and decaying countertops. So Lowe's redesigned the space using warm Shenandoah cabinets and beautiful Zodiac countertops. GE replaced the old broken appliances with state-of-the-art stainless ones from their terrific profile line. My heart is racing a mile a minute. Look, it is so gorgeous. Final stop on the first floor, the family room. <laughs> 
Oh my god, this is gorgeous. This is just gorgeous. If you come. Guys, listen, when, when we look at this, a show like that and we think, wow, how did it get that way? Have you ever thought that? you ever thought to see yourself, well, how did it get there? I think, I think there's times that if we really spiritualized it, our life often is like that. Where we just build and we just, oh, I'll put this here and I'll put this here and I'll put this here. And sooner or later, we look around and we go, I have no space for anything else in my life because I have so many other things. I have that in here somewhere. Have, I just, it's somewhere in I have joy. I really do. I have it. It's somewhere. Um, I think it's behind here. Let me look. And it's just, I just can't. I can't because I can't get to it. And I think we've all been there where we're looking for something. It's there. But we haven't allowed the new to take its place in our lives. So when we look at Something like this, too often we go back, and that, that's what scares me that these shows are great, but what we know to be what we do every day, if we don't break that habit, that home will no longer look like that. It will go back to, in a short amount of time, it'll go back to what it was. And we've seen those things happen too, right? How many times has that happened to you? But God set a new thing in your life. He's cleaned it out, but then because of your habits, you went backward. No more. Somebody say, no mas. No more. No more. I'm not who I was, and I'm not going to be that person. So I'm going to ask you all across this room, every person at the sound of my voice, just bow your heads for a moment all over this place right now. Father, we choose to walk in gratitude for this gift that you've given us in this life. I'm asking you today that we declare in our lives that we would live for you and honor you. And God, that we would put ourselves in a place where we recognize it is in you that we live and move and have our being. Lord God, would you restore in us the joy of our salvation. May we see what we've never seen this new year. God, do a new thing. Lord, even as Isaiah prophesied, preached, and, and brought the word to the people, 10 of 12 tribes were taken over by the Assyrians, and there was very little hope of being able to withstand the attacks. Lord, he still stood, and God said, I'm doing a new thing. And Lord, I pray that same prayer over everyone at the sound of my voice. Do a new thing. Renew in us the joy of our salvation. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.